So I was doing an audit for this new client and I'm checking out what it is that they've been doing. And I was really excited to see that they've been doing some testing. So that's fantastic. As I delved in more, I realized that they were testing everything just using the open metric. And they were then optimizing their results based on that. And then you go and look at, and they were recording all the other data too, by the way. Right, so they had it all at hand for me to go in and do some calculations and all this sort of stuff. And, and then I said, okay, so basically you chose, in fact, the loser in revenue and you've been optimizing <laughs> for the loser in revenue, the winner in opens, but the loser in revenue. And you have lost X amount of money over this period. Today in Inboxing, Calf Pay. Best-selling author, educator, business owner at holisticemailmarketing.com. Right, welcome back to another episode of Inboxing. I'm Hillel Burke, your host. Today we have a very special guest, a long veteran of the email community, and say one of the founders, maybe. And she's been about 20 years now. So uh, it's really special, and she's recently written a book which is a bestseller on Amazon. And it's not so surprised because she's been also a teacher. So uh, teaching email, she knows how to really do it all. So without any further ado, please welcome Kath Pei. Kath, welcome to Inboxing. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, thanks for the lovely introduction too. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's uh, really, we're really honored to have you here. So without any ado, you want to tell us a little bit about your story? What got me into email marketing? It's a long story, so I'll try and keep it really short. But essentially, I was running a, a web design agency uh, back in Australia, and we had a client who had a need for, um, we're talking 1998, right? So she had a, <laughs> she had a need for um, connecting with her, her database by email. So we actually, um, my team and I created the, the, the essence of what was to be uh, EasyMail. And pretty soon we took over all of our clients onto it. We brought our, all our clients onto it. They all thought it was fantastic. We went, oh, I think we're onto something here. <laughs> so, and that's that's exactly what ended up happening. So EasyMail ended up taking over my web design agency. I couldn't do both. So I kind of fell into email, which, you know, and yeah, so I never kind of thought I'd be here or it was never a plan. I mean, gee, when I was in college, you know, email marketing didn't exist. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was just uh, something that happened. It was very fortuitous. And, you know, I just absolutely adore email still. Even after 22 plus years, I am still in love with what it has to offer the consumers, what it has to offer the marketers and the brands. And, you know, and it's changing enough for me to actually still be thrilled by it, you know, still still go, oh, there's something else happening or, and, you know, sometimes it's not even a tech change, right? It's not even a new innovation or anything. It's how the, 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 the consumers are actually using email and that's, right. enough, yeah, just their change and habits and everything. Cause I've, I've been through it all, you know, through that, the time when email was, unbelievable it was so successful and then the spammers clued onto it and went oh okay <laughs> we can make some money here and so they went and made lots of money and then suddenly email became equated with the word spam you know so I'd say oh yeah you know I'd go and introduce myself <laughs> at a networking meeting I'm an email marketer oh so you're the spam that sends me the stuff <laughs> And then, so I worked on the the DMA email marketing council for over ten years, and we really, really tried to sort of, you know, overcome that issue. And I think, you know, the whole industry did. And so now we're we're now seeing, you know, it's in the golden period because consumers love email, and it still is delivering the highest return on investment over any other channel. So that was me in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> right, and just to draw on that a little bit, like I, you know, the. You know, I was talking yesterday to uh, hopefully an upcoming guest is Dan Orshinsky. And he was telling me, you know, he introduced me. I didn't know about this thing. It was uh, sub, uh, was it Substack? Are you familiar with this? No. Um, but it's basically, it's like, it's all these independent writers and they're doing newsletters. And they're, you know, a subscription service, basically a subscription service. that You know, you find what you love. It's almost yeah. like podcasts. I, I feel like that's what's kind of happening now. Like all these daily email, the companies that are created to just send emails in a niche. 
Right. And, and, and gain popularity. And so it's amazing, this sort of resurgence, especially with COVID. And I noticed that there was an article in, in the New York Times even talking about the new social network, which is not really new. And I was saying about how email is having sort of a resurgence during, um, during COVID. So yeah. it's really, it's, 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 it's dynamic and it's, it's, you know, there's always new opportunities and, and just, yeah, it's, it's really such a wonderful channel. And I feel blessed that I'm part of it and the community is wonderful. And just everything you really? said really resonated. Yeah. Now let's move on. All right. So when you open your inbox, what makes your blood really boil? Okay. So I'm not that extreme, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, I, I dislike. Uh, the brand centricness of many of the emails that I see, you know, and I, I think because of that, I, th I actually feel more for the marketers and the brands themselves because they're missing out on a trick. They're missing out on a huge opportunity. The, the way you know, this is part of what I was saying to you about the changes within the consumers, you know, back in the old days, you could send out anything. We have a sale or buy this and people would buy it because it was novel. It was new. It was exciting. Right. Whereas now they've got so much choice. And so you really, in order to stand out to the inbox, you need to be making sure that you are speaking directly to them and you are giving them the benefits, not just the facts of what it is. So you, you know, it, it's a real simple thing. It's, it's basically you, you take the item that you're, that you're selling, right? Say shoes, right? We have shoes on sale. Okay. And then you say, you know, basically, and, <laughs> and the, the, what, you, what you're basically doing is you're just wanting to convert it so that it ends up being, why should they buy it? Right? Right. Yeah. And so therefore, instead of saying, you know, we have shoes on sale, you're actually converting it, flipping around from the, from the consumer's perspective, because the consumer, like I said, you know, we all know about the triage, right? We've all heard about the triage, how people go in, and we're all probably experienced it ourselves. We go through, we scam, we go, yep, delete, delete, delete. And then we go, okay, I'll look at that one now. I'm going to save those ones for later. I might highlight them. You know, so we perform triage. And so that's when you need to really get their attention. And the only way you're going to get their attention is basically by actually speaking to them and their needs as opposed to you and your needs. And I'm going to talk about this later on because it's in some of the other questions. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Next question, you mentioned, you know, you haven't really been sending emails for a while, but, you know, maybe you could do, talk about something, a mistake that you've made, maybe even building your business or, you know, something related that could fit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I've got a lot of business mistakes, that's for sure. But I think that's for another episode. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone wants to set up consultancy <laughs> and they want some advice or what not to do, not advice, but yeah, what not to do, um, I'm the person to contact. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess one of the biggest mistakes I've seen, and it's what, it was with a client. So I was doing an audit for this new client and I'm checking out what it is that they've been doing. And uh, I was really excited to see that they've been doing some testing. So that's fantastic. As I delved in more, I realized that they were testing everything just using the open metric, all right? Oh. Open metric. <laughs> and they were then optimizing their results based on that. And oh. then you go and look at, and they were recording all the other data too, by the way, right? So they had it all at hand for me to go in and do some calculations and all this sort of stuff. And, and then I said, okay, so basically, you know, you, you chose, in fact, the loser in revenue, and you've been optimizing <laughs> for the loser in revenue, you know, the, the winner in opens, but the loser in revenue. And you have lost X amount of money over this period, right? Now, that's not to say that open metric isn't good to use at some stage, right? Particularly if you're a publisher and that's what you're rewarded on. Or in one case, I've, I've written a case study on this. You know, one of our clients had um, a really bad deliverability problem. And so we were just basically going, well, we need the ISPs to like us. So we need to be focusing on the opens. Once we get up to a good mm -hmm. place, then we're going to convert and we'll be focusing on the conversions, right? As being our success metrics. So there are mm -hmm. times and places for it. But yeah, so that, that was um, a huge learning <laughs> mistake. <from them. laughs> yeah, opportunity. For sure. Yeah, it just touches on that point that like, yeah, like open rate 
is overused. And we've talked that I think when I talked to Nikki Elbaz that came up about when we talked about like the five things. Yeah, just like the open metric is is a good metric, but it's just one piece of a big puzzle. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like you have to really see like what is going on. You know, like, you know, if especially just, you know, to get someone to open the email, okay, mm-hmm. you you're testing the subject line, but you are you testing the copy? Are you testing the rest of it? Yes. And seeing what what's what's really bringing the click and the result that you want? Yes. Uh, that's what it's all I, about. I've been meaning to write a blog and, and you're motivating me to do this now. And it's basically, you're going to hear about me, the word holistic, but basically let's start reporting holistically. Let's start looking at all of them and seeing what, they, what they're delivering because often you'll have little anomalies, right? And you go, yeah. what, is, what is causing that? Well, then you probably won't know the answer. You could guess. You could probably come up with some good you know, theories okay, let's go and create some hypotheses and then delve into that and find out exactly what it was that actually caused that anomaly. And is it just an anomaly? Because it could have just been an anomaly on that particular time, date, you know, product and all the rest of it. Or is there actually something more to it? And if you see it happening a couple of times, there could be something more to it. So yeah, so start looking and reading and, and you know, I think that as email marketers, because we're so pushed for time, because we're on this kind of like, you know, we're under-budgeted, under-resourced, all the rest of it. We don't necessarily delve into the data and our metrics and our reporting as much as we possibly should. And so I think because of that, then we don't get to take away the learnings that we could as well. So it's a bit sad. All right, so off the top of your head, you know, what are Cafe's top five email marketing tips? Oh my goodness, this is probably going to take half an hour. Okay, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and keep it quiet. Okay, so my top five email marketing tips. The first one would definitely be start with a strategy and don't start with technology and don't start with tactics. So don't sort of say, oh, okay, so I've read a blog and I'm going to start with a welcome campaign. I mean, that's a great place to start when you're doing your lifecycle email marketing programs. But what you need to do is you need to ensure that everything else is going to be tying up. And so that way you actually include that in as a tactic in your strategy, but don't just go off and do it as a standalone island. It needs to be connected and, you know, sort of working all as one to create that lovely customer experience for your customers, right? It needs to all be tied in together. So you need to have an overarching strategy for your email marketing program. And the reason why not to start with technology is technology, again, fantastic. It gives you lots of ideas. You go, oh, we can do that. Look at that new feature. Fantastic. Again, just do the same thing. Slot it in, but only then if it actually helps you to achieve your objectives. There are lots of fantastic features in technology that you will get excited about. You know, you sort of go, ooh, you know, I can't wait to use that and everything. But if you actually create your strategy, you might end up saying, actually, it has no place in my strategy because it's not going to help us to to do anything apart from give me a, a bit of a fun time setting something up and seeing if it works. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. Start with your strategy. Second one would be helpful marketing, which is what I was referring to earlier. So helpful marketing is really just changing your mindset, but more than that, changing your messaging, your design, your, you know, everything, your your strategy, everything. So that helpful marketing is underlying your entire strategy. And helpful marketing, in essence, is just simply if we can understand that our customers are on our list for a reason. They've signed up because... You know, they want our product because they like our brand, because they like our blog post, whatever the story is, right? So they've signed up for a reason. And what we need to do is ensure that we are actually delivering to their needs. If we can help them to achieve their objective, then we by default achieve ours. It's really, really simple. As opposed to what most of us do is I've got to sell product. So I'm going to push out my message and say, we've got, you know, so it's, (laughs) yeah, going into that. Because also because we are a push channel and the fact that we're a push channel, it's really easy for us just to push out our messages. It's actually, you know, it's obvious. But I think that's the problem is, and that's why we, we get a lot of fatigue, email fatigue and everything, because we're just pushing out our buy, buy, buy or sell, sell, sell messages rather than actually sort of going, why did our customers sign up? And then sometimes it's just as simple as, changing it, like I said, benefits, 
rather than features. It's about wording it. It's about, you know, using that personalization. And then the helpfulness really comes through because we're focusing on the customer instead of focusing on us. And it's just the same as, you know, you sort of, seriously, it's just the way I picture it is I've got two sides of the same coin, right? We've got our goals or our objectives and we've got customers' objectives. If they achieve theirs, right, we achieve ours because it's the same thing. And all we have to do is walk around the other side, take them by the hand and say, how can I help you today? Right? That's Mm -hmm. it. Really, really simple. So that's helpful marketing. Another one would be, of course, split testing, A-B split testing, but doing it scientifically, using a hypothesis, really drilling into the results, you know, putting out your what what the, the actual result was and then putting in your recommendations, testing it multiple times, using the same hypothesis so that you aren't just, you know, finding out it was an anomaly and that you are you have got statistically confident assuredness about, you know, the results. And then putting those findings, particularly if you're doing things about motivations, so your consumer's motivations, your consumer is going to be, they've got the same motivations, whether it's they're reacting by email or landing page or search or social, right? They, they want to buy a product or, you know, they're interested in downloading a white paper, whatever. So they've got the same motivations because they're the same humans, regardless of what channels that they're using. So um, start to sort of, yes, yeah, so start using that as, as your basis for your testing. And then you can roll out the results to all of your other channels and for them to continue and keep on developing and refining that. But it's testing via email is incredibly cost-effective. It's, incre- it's very efficient and all the rest of it. So again, I can talk and talk and talk about this because I'm very passionate about that, but I'll stop there. Okay, so email, what else was there? Growing your list is another thing which I think is absolutely essential because without a list, you know, you've got no one to mail to. So growing your list is really essential. And I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities with marketers. And that, again, a lot of the things that I'm coming up and saying, I'm holding the email marketers blameless for many of them, right? It's because of the constrictions. It's because of the current you know it's it's it, in this case yeah, marketing because, directors yeah <laughs> it's, it's because because, yeah often often it is and we've done surveys on this and yeah. um uh the website team own the email subscribe form and that that's why it's put at the bottom because it doesn't help to serve them and their objectives at all so they're deprioritizing it whereas of course email team are in charge of growing the database, but they've not been given the tools to grow the database. The main tool being the form on the website, right? And also the form in the e-commerce uh, shopping, uh, shopping cart as well. They don't own that either. So it's really, really funny. They're, they're given that as their remit. That's their KPI. And that's a, one of their key ones. It's growth of the database, but they don't have any ownership over it. So it's completely bonkers. Yeah, so, you know, try and look for, if you don't have ownership over it, then you have to be really smart, uh, buddy up with them, see if you can actually, you know, team up, explain, hey, I can help you, you help me, I'll help you. But also there's lots of different ways of doing it as well. And just make sure you go through the entire customer journey, go through the website, try and make them as personalized as possible. You've got wonderful exit intent, popovers, everything like that. So so that's a, a really, really, you know, um, key one as far as I'm concerned. And then basically lifecycle marketing. I adore lifecycle marketing. And that is because it seriously, if you set it up well, and I don't mean set and forget, right? I mean set <laughs> and continually optimize and nurture. And for that reason, you also want to be having the, the sort of like permanent A-B split streams within your A-B testing, within your um, marketing automation programs so that they're continually optimizing in, in, you know, once it becomes statistically significant as far as volume goes, you take your learning, start up a new hypothesis, go again. But the actual lifecycle messages themselves, they can bring in, I've got one client, they're bringing in over 50% of the revenue, even though they're just a fraction of the volume. These guys work a treat. So, you know, and I do know that there's a lot of limitations or restrictions or challenges for email marketers to set these up. 
usually just because of that time constraints and, and lack of resources and budget and everything. But seriously, it will help you in the long run or even in the short run. <laughs> so it's well worth doing it. And one of the things I always say, because um, I know how you know challenging they can be to set up, just start small. If you're go, going to do a welcome program, don't wait until you've got your five email welcome program. Put in number one. And then going, you know what I mean? And you, you can be testing and optimizing as you put in number two and number three and number four and then number five, right? So by the time you've got five in, you've actually got some learnings along the way and you've been refining and optimizing rather than having nothing in place until it actually is set up, you know? So, um, yeah, just start small. So they're my yeah. five, I think. Yeah, that was good. Just, uh, you know, that last one, start small. It's really a life tip, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> you want to start running? Run a mile. You know, run run ten yeah. meters. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, do it. Do start very small. It's a very big. Uh, you know, James Clear Atomic Habits. Start. Yeah. You know, get 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 in the mindset. Just just start. Starting is the hardest part. Anyway, yeah. all right. The flip side of that would be what would be the top you know pitfalls that everyone's fallen into. I think again what I was saying about what I don't like. <laughs> brand cent- brand centric. Brand centricity. <laughs> um, and and that is a very obvious pit- pitfall. That's an easy to fall into pitfall. And again, it's it's a case of we don't. I mean, we do talk about it the last couple of years. You know, people are talking about being more customer centric, and I've been talking about customer experience now for about eight nine years. So and that's all part of it, right? So you can't give a good customer experience if it's all about you. It's like having a conversation with someone. You know, are you going to have a great conversation if I'm the only one that's talking and I'm only talking about me and my needs and what I've done and everything like that. It's not going to happen, is it? So you're not going to have a good experience. So, um, you know, it's a it's a natural thing with, with the customer experience. And I think we just need to become more customer-centric, less brand-centric. But and, and, and I understand that makes people fearful. But at the same time, if you go back to the basic logic again of what I was saying with help, helpful marketing, you take care of their needs and they'll take care of you. It's, it's just the way it is. So I think, that, I think that's the, one of the big things. I think another one would be what I referred to earlier to about starting off with tech. I see that in probably 80% of the cases. You know, I, I see that a company won't put a strategy in place until they've got the technical platform in place. And I'm like, you're going about it the wrong way. You create a strategy based upon your business goals and your business objectives. Then you create the marketing strategy. Then you create the, you know, so so basically what, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we're going to choose the, the tool and then we're going to create our strategy based on the tool. It's like, um, that's just... <laughs> Totally backwards. And like I said, I see that all too often. And then it doesn't have to be as extreme as that. But like I said, someone will see a nice tool, a nice feature, and they say, oh, yeah, I must have that all. They read an, a good case study and everything like that. And I, I mean, I think I think to a certain degree, it, it, again, I'm not blaming marketers too. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> It's because what's happened is that in our industry, aside from a few, you know, independent consultants and agency people such as myself who are, you know, I'm agnostic as far as technology goes. And so I, you know, I try to educate as best I can from an agnostic perspective, from a more strategic perspective, right? But the market and, you know, is is just filled with articles and how-tos and everything by the, the, the vendors. And, you know, these guys have take, taken it upon themselves. And, and I'm not saying they're doing it just for the goodwill of the marketers. They're obviously wanting to educate so that they can, you know, sell and... It's going to offer their tool, yeah. Yeah, obviously. And so, you know, and that's fine. But it's at the point where it's the majority of information that's coming out as opposed to the majority of the information being more educational and more you know, less less biased, shall we say. And so less technical or less, you know, tool-oriented. And so, and I'm not blaming the, the ESPs for doing that. I mean, when I was an ESP, I did the same thing. It's, it's logical. Of course you're going to do that. So I'm not saying that that's the bad thing. I'm, sa- I'm just saying that it's just turned out that most of the marketers get their knowledge from vendors 
and therefore, and vendors lead with technology. Therefore, the outcome is that marketers are now leading with technology because of that. Does that all make sense? I think so. I think it, yeah, I think it came across. All right. So how do you think email is changing, you know, or even has changed in the last, let's say, two or three years? And then, you know, and over the next 12 months, what do you think is going to happen? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, like I said, in the last three years, it has changed. I mean, we always come out as a, you know, a whole bunch of us will come out with our predictions for the next year and everything like that. And some of them have been frustrating because we haven't seen them taken up. Like one of them was, there was one year, many years ago, when we all said, dynamic content, that's what's going to take off. And uh, dynamic content essentially didn't really take off. The, per- the want to do the personalization did, but use of dynamic content didn't. They were still doing manual segmentations and everything to achieve this, a similar effect. Yeah. and that's ended up being, I believe, because dynamic content and how it was didn't give them that confidence of of knowing that the right message was going to the right person, yeah, and and also the results were harder to read as well. So, you know, so, so we don't always get it right, but, you know, that was happening and that was all about personalization. Personalization comes under the guise of segmentation, targeting, dynamic content, you know, now we've got all the one-to-one personalization. We've got AI, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, personalization is a, a pretty big, big player there. And uh, you'll see that come up every year for sure because we're still not there. I think in the next year, well, I hope in the next year, mark, email marketers in particular, but marketers in general too, I guess, are very much going to be positioned and ready to be nimble, to be understanding the changes in society, understanding the changes in their consumer, understanding the changes in their their customer data and, and their customers' buying habits and, and shopping habits and all the rest of it and making changes accordingly. And to do that, of course, you need to be looking at your own data and understanding your own customers and all the rest of it and reading everything, reading everything in the news, but also attending webinars, reading as many blogs as you can, books, all the rest of it, to, to, to really give you that, that overall so that you're not getting that micro perspective from just your, your vision that you're also understanding because then that's also going to give you potential ideas of what's going to happen next. So you may not be facing it at this particular time, but someone else is facing something now and you go, okay, we're going to, if this happens, then we're, we're poised and ready to deal with it if it happens. So I think it's really just about marketers being flexible and nimble, nothing really to do with email marketing, except for on the, the basis that email marketing has now become one of the most depended on, you know, channels and tools within the pandemic. So, and at the moment, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't, we, we really don't, you know, as far as the vaccines and the country's going to be traveling again, is everything going to be back to normal by Q3, Q4, or you, no one knows anything. So be prepared for the unexpected. That's all I can say. Um, and I would love to be able to give you some more specific advice, but um, yeah, I think that would take too long. But so... <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I wonder what you think about, I mean, I've noticed, and we talked about this with a few other guests, video in email marketing. Yeah. I feel like that's like starting to take off more. Yeah, for sure. See, the thing is, right, video in itself is a fantastic medium. Video is, it, when you think from a perspective of, of um, it's, uh, you know, how people learn. People learn visually, people learn orally, or they're also, they could be kinesthetic you know, learners. So what that simply means is that they like to type and make notes and all that kind of stuff, right? So I'm I'm a little bit, I'm a cross between a, a kinesthetic and also a visual. So I like to see things. I like to read. I'm not very good with the oral. Uh, seriously, you tell me something and I'll forget something. Whereas if I read it, I'll remember it. So, so that, if you think about video, video is all three, right? People have the power to pause, write notes, fast forward, backtrack, and everything like that. You've got the visual, you've got the, you know, the audible, all the rest of it. So it's a fantastic medium and it is a great way for people to be learning. 
and being engaged with. Email, that tied in with it. It's a great match. But it's the same, it's serving the same purpose, really, like with social, right? So Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. How do they communicate with you? They use email, don't they? They let you know you've had some <laughs> likes. They let you know. So they're using email. So it's the same. So video is still reliant upon, you know, if you put a video up there, if you put on YouTube, people will find it for sure. But, you know, if you've just got a video sitting on your website, you need some sort of, you know, traffic driven. So you either go and pay a lot of money for with PPC or, or something, or else, you, you know, a much more cost effective way is using email. So, yes. Video, but then I think you might have also been referring specifically to video playing in email, or you're just saying promoting video through email, whether not it's... Ne- yeah, I was saying not necessarily. Like I know, you know, <laughs> videos don't play in email generally. <laughs> and, you, know, you, no. can't, you can't rely on email playing in, in, in an email. You know, in my own email marketing, I was connected to, you know, where they can watch it. You know, it's always a link, but it looks like it might play in your video. But I was really talking about there. I actually saw there's some companies that popped up, you know, Bonjour, I don't know the names of other ones, but they're they're like basically getting companies make it easy for marketers to just like make a, you know, like a quick video. And somehow I'm not really sure exactly how it works, but I know it's like something that's gaining traction. And recently I know a client of mine has used something like that for non-for-profit where they're able to make uh thank you videos and that like somehow when they made the video it triggered i think maybe they made the video in the platform and yeah. then it triggered yeah like the platform knew they got a donation and then he's you know and he got the information and like recorded a quick video thank you so much so and so and then it went into a template and you know and sent back to the person who just made the donation yeah yeah i mean there's some great things out there there are there's a few providers like live clicker imail these guys actually enable you to to have your video playing but of course we couldn't be playing this in the, in in the email you wouldn't want to play this in the email it's going to be too long and right. and and email is is because it is that push channel means that messages are coming in continually and so they might easily get distracted jump off don't listen to the rest of it so that that's why a lot of the times you only want a, a very short video in the email just enough to whet their appetite still take them over to where the, the actual email, uh, the, the you know video is on a landing page because you're on a, a, a full channel now. So it's a lot quieter and you can concentrate. And, you know, so basically your needs are met and so are your, your, your the consumers. So you've got that factor. And then it was interesting that you were saying about that, about the not-for-profit one, because I've, I've actually, in my years and years of teaching, I've come across some fantastic examples and it never really, really took off. And I think it's because of the expense. Because again, email is still, even though it's like the highest return on investment <laughs> channel, it's still under budgeted, right? Um, right? But some of these examples were phenomenal and they actually can personalize in the email. So right. <laughs> how it's set up. So in that particular case, you know, they could just have the person's name and it's going to be maybe in a card or something that's in the video and we thank you and, and it comes through and it's just, it's lovely so that they're getting this lovely personalized video, which is specific to them. But of course it's automated. So right. Yeah. And I'm looking to do that now for that client, you know, the for because they don't have a welcome series yet, you know, but right. they've been doing it for a long time. So I just came on. Uh, yeah. And so I'm looking for a way we can do like, just hold a sign, take that picture and then put someone's name on that sign. Like, thank you, Kath. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know. There's lots of, there's a, there's quite a few providers out there that will make your life easy. <laughs> yeah. And we were doing stuff like that in 2015. So I know in 2021, definitely there should be a, a, a simple way to do that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So for people just starting out, what would you say? Like what, you know, how should they get started? Okay. So starting out, I, I, I'm going to kick off with my number one tip was create a strategy. Sorry, <laughs> but that's it. That's you, you need you need to create a strategy because when you're creating that strategy, you're going to be able to go through and see everything from the big picture. You're going to go through and understand everything. You're going to be listing all of your objectives, all of your needs that you need to be meeting, right? And then it's going to be actually developing and the whole idea with the strategy is that you, it's meant to be a, an ongoing, living, breathing document that's, you know, as you're amending and changing your program, it's also amending and changing and, and it's feeding you with new ideas and everything. So it's definitely strategies a big thing. And then, of course, 
get your tech in place. Um, depends on if you're starting up big or if you're starting up small will depend on that. I mean, again, we could be talking for hours about choosing a, you know, a vendor. Yes. Yeah. But essentially, uh, my rule for choosing a vendor is go with what it is that you, after you've created your strategy, identify <laughs> what you need and then go and choose a vendor based upon that. Don't, don't sort of go, oh, I think I'm going in five years' time, I'll be doing this. That's too, too far ahead. Look for up to three years. What is it that you're going, that you think you're going to be able to do? Right. And then, and deal with that because otherwise you could be paying a lot of excess, you know, monies in, in, in features that you're not actually using. So, and the way it is, is there's the big systems are more complex to use. Anyhow, the more complex the system is, I would love to say that there's an amazing system out there that is incredibly complex and, and easy to use. There isn't. There's a lot of mid players who are incredibly advanced and very, very easy to use. Um, and I'm a huge fan of those. And I personally would much prefer to ride one of those out as far as I could <laughs> until, <laughs> until I had to go for the big players. Yeah. <laughs> what opportunities do you think marketers are missing out on when it comes to email? Um, okay, so what opportunities? I think, okay, we, we've driven the, the, the brand centric <laughs> to the ground. So, but I think, and also the A-B testing, huge, huge, huge missed opportunity because the most people that I know, if they are doing A-B testing, they're doing subject lines only, they're using their platform and it's basing it on the open rate. Again, go in and have a look and see if that's actually the metric you want to be using. I have done hundreds of tests on this and on no occasion have I found that it actually delivers higher conversions. It delivers higher uh, higher reach, higher opens, hence the name, right? But if you're actually wanting conversions, not always. So just go and make sure that that basically your success metric needs to map back to your objective, right? Just keep that as a rule of thumb. So yeah, A-B split testing, they only do the subject lines. And if they do do it, they don't do it without with a with a hypothesis. You know, there's so there's lots of missed opportunities there because if you think about it. In this year and last year, this was a, I think this is going to be a year of learning. That's it. Learning about our customers, learning about how they're changing and everything. And one great way of doing it is besides observing and drilling into the data is actually doing tests. So, so, you know, be prepared to do that and don't, that way you won't be left behind. And also be prepared to these tests are not just for survival for this year, but also understanding that the world's going to change after the pandemic. How we do many things will be different, including shopping. So, so you know, this a lot of the things you're finding out could be not just for this year, but for the future as well. So it's well worth doing an A-B split test or 50 to find out. <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah. What other opportunities? Like I said, I think about the 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 missed opportunity with ownership of the forms, missed opportunities with personalization. Again, I think that's one of these things with personalization. We're all sitting there. And the weird thing with personalization too is that we want to do personalization. It's kind of like, okay, I get that. But why do you want to do personalization? And if, if you, so you need to drill down into it, right? <laughs> and personalization, the reason why most people want to do personalization is because they want to increase the revenue, right? And how do they, why does that increase the revenue? Because they're actually enhancing the customer experience. That's it. So that's really what they want to be doing. I want to increase the customer. So in your strategy, you'd put one of your objectives to increase the customer experience, right? To enhance it. And then one of the tactics, would be to use personalization, yeah? Um, or that could be, you know, the strat strategy and then one of the tactics could be more specific about how to, how to actually do it, whether you use technology or not. And so I think a lot of us are sitting there and we're waiting. One, we don't have time, we don't have the data um, because everyone's thinking we have to be personalizing based on informed data, which is the data that they, you know, the customers give to you, which is totally wrong. You don't need to, <laughs> that's nice. You can use layered data for personalization. It, but, you know, behavioral data is fantastic and behavioral data is easy to use, particularly when you are mm -hmm. using dynamic content or, you know, right. uh, or, or your lifecycle marketing ones or, 
you know. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying that the platforms, you know, connect, you know, with often with a plugin. And when you have your website connected with your, you know, with exactly. your email marketing platform, it be, there's, when, you know, opportunities galore. Real, real time, relevant personalization. It's easy to achieve with one of those third party suppliers. And you don't have to worry about your database. You don't have to, you know, so it's easy to do. So again, I think that's, that is a huge missed out opportunity because they, they think it's, it, it's in the too hard basket. We want to do it, but we can't, you know. And I think there are simple, again, start out small, start out small. And, and the, the thing that I do a lot with my customers is to help them to build business cases. And so the business case here would be, okay, let's go and do some more manual type of small little, little bits of personalization and see if it actually delivers the return on investment. See if it gives you an uplift. If it does, mm -hmm. you've now got a business case to go and ask for more funding, you know, so more budget because we, and then you can actually go and say, we predict we're going to get X amount more revenue because of this particular functionality or this tool or something like that, or because we need an extra team member. So uh, it'll always, you know, fall back on those business cases. And it just means you need to, you to do a bit of, um, a bit of testing and, you know, a bit of dedication. And again, that's investment of your time and effort, but it will pay off. Okay, you're a recent author. I can't say the same. <laughs> so what got you to write a book? Okay, so yeah, so in my all, all my years of email marketing, um, so about 10, 12 years ago, I became a consultant. And um, I was one of the first consultants out there. So it was it was a fun thing. It was because I was one of the first ones. I was really, really busy and everything. But one of the things I loved to do most of all was, <clears throat> test, uh, was actually teaching. Because the reason why I became a consultant was because I've got a real heart for the marketer. So with everything, all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of marketers that I've taught over the years, with all the forums that I belong to, with all the public <coughs> that I've had, you know, and conferences I've attended and everything, I realized that there still is a lot to learn, that there's still a lot that's not being addressed within the industry. And, um, and some of it that is out there is, I think, I would call misinformation as well. So I think from my perspective, I wanted to do a bit of correction on some of that. A lot of them are sort of old, bad, you know, archaic sort of best practices, which are no longer best practices, but they're still touted as being best practices. And they can be very, very destructive, actually, uh, to, right. to, to the marketers. So, um, yeah, so basically I wrote it for, for the marketers, um, just trying to, you know, sort of, have a more permanent stamp um, rather than just sort of writing blogs and everything. Because I do write a lot of blogs, but I, I don't know, it just sort of seemed more official. So, <laughs> And also everyone kept on saying, when are you writing your book? So I'm like, okay, okay. So, but that wasn't the main reason. I wasn't being peer pressured into it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. All right. So going on that so why why did you call why is everything holistic let's just hold everything what is that all yeah. about yeah so okay so so back when i actually so i was sitting there one time with my with my then part business partner tamara Gielen, and i said to her i said you know i'm so frustrated i'm so frustrated with everyone talking about multi-channel and omni-channel because it's so brand-centric i'm a big believer in naming things well right so if we're doing, for me, a welcome program in a life cycle marketing, you know, um, in your life cycle marketing program, a welcome uh, series would actually be called the first purchase program because your main aim isn't just to welcome them. That's one of the, you know, off, off sides, right? So you will be welcoming them. It's a natural thing to do. But you, the main thing you want to do there is, you know, to, to be selling to them, is to get them to make their first purchase. So and then you have a first purchase and second purchase and all the rest of it. So the reason why, because it helps you to stay focused on what the objective is. So basically you're putting the objective of the of the email, right? So if we go back to the multi, multi um, you know, channel and the omni channel, is there such a thing as omni channel? But anyhow, they, they like to tout it. Those names, they're very brand-centric, aren't they? They're about how we as marketers can make the channels work together. The consumer isn't in that picture at all. 
It's all about mm. we, the brand. It's about, you know, our messaging and everything. And that was incredibly, not offensive to me, but I'm just going, that's, that's just wrong. So I went, okay, we, we need something that, that involves the customer, consumer, because that's what we really should be focused on. And so in Australia, I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm Australian. And over there, we have most of our, uh, our GPs or a lot of our GPs are also holistic pr- practitioners as well. So you can go there and they might give you a few, you know, home remedy drops as well as a prescription or instead of a prescription or something. So I'm very okay with, you know, um, the whole holistic approach. And I went, that's really what we want to be doing. We want to be looking at the channels holistically. We want to see where email fits in with the, within the customer journey. We want to be focusing on the customer, looking at them and looking at their needs. And, you know, so it all came together. And I just went, that's the phrase that we need. That's the terminology. And so therefore I created the holistic email marketing philosophy. And that's what underpins the book. Hence the name. <laughs> so essentially, I called the the consultancy and the book after the philosophy, not the other way around. Um, <laughs> and um, but that that's really what it's all about. I you know it's it's a, the holistic approach. It's it's huge. You know, I've that kind of testing A B testing approach that I said, and that we share the findings out across other channels. We call that the holistic testing approach as well. So it's like everything. Because a lot of what we do, like I said, we're focused on emails. And emails can make us, if we only focus on the email, and we understand, you know, the majority of the time, we're not actually getting our conversions from the email. Email is still just the driver of traffic to the landing page where the conversions happen. But how many email marketers do you know actually have permission or have the ability to do the landing pages as well. We're still talking the minority, right? So most of them will just be taking them to a landing, uh, to a, to a, you know, a product page or something like that, that someone else has gone and done. And this is where we can start to get really disjointed with our email marketing because we've refined our email and we've tested it and lovingly changed it and amended it and everything. So it's a, it's a work of art. It's beautiful. And it's getting great open rates and everything. And then we go and take them to this landing page or product page or something, and there's no continuity there whatsoever. So there's a huge disconnect. And then we actually find out that it's not converting, and that's because of the disconnect. And so the holistic side also takes care of that whole customer journey as well, making sure that we are going all the way through that journey um, with the same messaging and the same, you know, visuals and, and, and all the rest of it and making sure that that is an, an optimized experience. So holistic email marketing is much, much more than email marketing. It really is just all about the customer journey uh, using multiple channels. But we call it email marketing because I love email marketing. And the email, email is the backbone. You know, it's the channel that keeps on bringing the customers back again. And it's the customer service channel. It's, it's the one that's there. And, you know, um, despite what anyone says, it's not going away anytime soon. Are there specific channels like you find that email pairs well with? Like when you talk about being holistic, so does that mean like they like something on Facebook, they get, you know, they get an email about that or, or you know? Or, yeah, I mean, you can, yes, you can, make, you can make the channels work together like that if you want. I personally like to use them for different purposes, but that again will depend on, that will vary according to the, the business and their objectives and, and their audience and their products and everything like that. So there isn't just a, here is one formula, this is what you do with email and social, and here's another formula, this is what you, you know. But things like um, what is exciting, which, which is very irregularly used or rarely or if ever, other than me, <laughs> is um, using keywords and PPC terms on your landing pages, right? And connecting that with your nurturing. So this is great for B2B. This is great for, um, I actually did this with, um, well, the example I tend to use a lot is, you know, things like Dyson and they've got um, a business that's there and they're wanting to put them in all of their bathrooms, their hand drives or something like that in all of their bathrooms. And what they do is they do a search term and they just go, hand dryers right so <laughs> because they're just literally starting out they don't know anything yet they just know i need hand dryers and so that's a very top of funnel search term 
So then you create a landing page with hand dryers and some other top of funnel search terms. And so people will go there, they'll click on either, it's either a PPC or you could do it with your organic search as well. And it goes there to that page. And then when they go and say, oh, I want to find out more, then you take them on a complete and utter top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, nurturing, ton, uh, nurturing, you know, sort of series, right? So you're educating them through email. Now, however, if they come through and they give you a, a, a midterm, you know, a, sort of a, a, a mid funnel um, term key, keyword, then you're only going to, they're going to take them to the, the, the mid funnel optimized page. And then you're just going to take the mid funnel through the bottom funnel. And if it's a bottom funnel one, you know, key phrase, then you just do that. So what that means is that you're actually going to end, you're personalizing their, their nurturing. And um, so, and, and you're actually quickening up the speed because it means that the bottom funnel don't have to go through all this information that they're just interested in. They just want to get to this. They want to see how it works. They want, you know, they've got different needs to those at the top of the funnel, right? Because, you know, top of the funnel is just the beginning of the journey. So things like that, that is, a, 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 you know. A holistic. Yeah, a good way of doing it. Okay. All right. What are your <laughs> favorite brands? Like, who's, um, doing, who's doing the yeah. stuff that you're talking about? Okay. So um, a brand that I do like is Soak and Sleep. Um, and I like that from the perspective of exactly what I was saying. And actually, Printpix, uh, one of my clients, they also do it as well. It's just lovely. They have the email and then they build a dedicated landing page for it. And so there's no disconnect. They're using the same imagery, the same offer, the same wording, the same colors and everything like that. So you, so you do not get to the landing page and say, what am I doing here again? You know, you, you've had that experience, right? You click on the yeah. email, you get to the landing page, and you just go, I can't remember why I'm here <laughs> because there's nothing there that, that carries over. So they do a great job with that. Um, and another one is Secret Escapes. I've been huge admirers of theirs and, and they've actually been a client too. And they um, are doing it um, using AI and doing a one-to-one personalization uh, on, on their emails, but also varying it up, differing it so that you've also got some surprise and delight ones. You've also got some lovely, you know, they'll, they'll be doing it so that you've got just a regular newsletter and they might actually then just be sticking in in number one or number two position, maybe a holiday that you've looked at recently. But they don't do it as an official browse abandonment email. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got those ones, but they, they, they're more date-oriented. But this is just so it's a bit of a, so, oh, oh, I was looking at that. Yeah, I got called away. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll go and click on that again. You know what I mean? So um, it, incredibly effective, really, really nice. So. Um, yeah, I think, I think probably I'm, sounds like I'm really hard to, to impress because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a, a huge list of them that no, there, there are lots of brands that are doing, you know, a decent job. There's a lot of brands that I know, um, cause they're the ones that are working with at the moment. They're going to be doing a phenomenal job at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but that's, it's still going to take a while. Yeah. You know? Yeah, a lot of it. It's, 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 you know, and the bigger they are, the longer it takes as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. Who are the big brands that you feel are doing a horrible job? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> what? And then you want me to say? It's like who's oh, on your wall of shame? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you you really suck at it, so call me, okay? Because you need my help. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and we did this already, right? Yeah, we did. We definitely did that already. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, life cycle marketers, you know, life cycle. <laughs> okay. What do you call them? Yeah. Life cycle? Life cycle. Yeah. So life cycle. Okay. Yeah. Life cycle. Okay. So what, what, are you, what are your favorite ones? Like. Oh, so, okay. I love them all. And, okay. and the reason why I love them all is because they, not just, not just because of the success that they are, but the reason why, the reason behind it is because they're a great experience for the customer as well, provided you do a great job, right? They're, uh-huh. innate, they're innately timely because most of these ones are actually triggered by something the customer has or sometimes hasn't done. And so they're often timely. They're incredibly personalized, even if you don't actually put a product in or a reference, it's just the fact that you're emailing them about that particular you know, timing or something is 
is very, very personalized. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, they're innately helpful. So most of them are there and they're coming under, and I don't want to say guys, because guys leads to people possibly thinking it's trickery and it's not trickery. But, you know, the obvious one is, of course, abandoned cart. It's, it's, hey, you left something behind. Was there a problem? Can we help? Here's our customer service number. Or if you, you know, just got called away, here's your, here's your you know, one, your, your one, one click away. Great customer service, great customer experience, easy as and incredibly um, helpful. One of the ones I really like, though, is the price drops. I get excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> So they could be, so this is, again, e-commerce, right? But uh, it doesn't have to be. It could be a B2B. But um, with e-commerce, a lot of the e-commerce sites have got, you know, your favorites list. And so you kind of put uh-huh. your wish list or something like mm-hmm. that, you go and put it up, and then they can be sending you a price drop. Hey, we know, you know, this they is like on your wish list. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or that they saw that you browsed it, that you looked at it, you know, maybe you had added it to the car, but you took it out, whatever. And so they're, they're sending you and saying, hey, we know that you've had your eye on this. It's now on sale, you know. Right, how, for sure. How, lo- how lovely is that, you know? All right. I think this is our last question. And then you can freestyle if you want. Okay. Okay. What's that for business versus email marketing? So yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, we've been here many, 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 many times. We had Facebook Messenger, you know, we, we've just had how many ones that we went, they're going to kill email marketing. And they haven't. They still, some of them disappeared. Some of them have survived, but none of them have taken over email marketing. I think all you know, different channels. I mean, we had it with social. Social's going to kill email. It's like social and email work really well together. They're not going to, you know, one's not going to kill the other. And, and and I think what happens is that over time, they end up, their, their strengths just come forth and you end up finding out, oh, so this is really good for, you know. So I think, you know, as far as WhatsApp goes, everyone goes, great, we've got direct, you know, access to to the person. We can send really personalized email messages to them and everything. And I think, I mean, WhatsApp certainly has proven itself in my in my books as far as customer service goes. I think it's a great customer service tool. Um, I, I, you know, I chat with, ooh, who about Sky in the UK, Virgin Airlines, you know, so it's, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, really, really excellent. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah Ministry of Health, <laughs> you know, with uh, Corona right. issues, you know, Corona, WhatsApp, you know. You're right. So, but... But as far as marketing goes, you know, people have privacy issues with with emails, e- marketing emails, promotional emails in their email inbox. Hence why Gmail and Yahoo and all the rest have created those tabs so that you've got that separation for the one-to-one personalized, you know, I know you and I'm getting a message directly from you versus the marketing ones because that's what people want, right? The consumers have basically said, this is how it works. This is what we would ideally like. WhatsApp is even more of a personal inbox than email. It's on your, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. So it's more of a one-to-one. So I just don't know. So, I, I mean, I will be watching it. I will definitely be watching mm-hmm. it because I'm not going to sort of go, oh, no, that's crap and you know, toss, <laughs> right. toss that aside or anything like that. Definitely be watching it and see if it can work in. If it does do anything, it will be working in conjunction with email, I'm sure of it. You know, who who there reads, you, you can read a long email, but are you going to read a long WhatsApp message? No, it's still it's still going to be there to, to get your attention, you know, and, and to sort of whet your appetite rather than um, give you, you know, complete and utter. Uh-huh. Lots of information, so who knows? Final thoughts. Oh my goodness. You shouldn't yeah, we've come to the end. end. <laughs> You shouldn't, you shouldn't let me freestyle. I could be here for another two hours. <laughs> um, uh, you can make it like, I forget which program it was, but it always ended with like, I think it was, I mean, it was, I grew up in, the, in in America, so at Dateline, I don't know. I think at Dateline in Australia also. Really? I think I think it was Dateline. Yeah, one of them and they our final thought for the day. You know, it was always like, oh, you know, it was an actual thought. It wasn't like, you know, a few hours. It was... 
Okay, yes, just one thought. Okay, let me <laughs> just one that. thought. Yeah, or just two. Yeah. one thought. Okay, okay. Yeah, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah. So, okay. So, one of uh, my one thought then, I guess, is is you know, because we're all still very, very. I mean, as a consultant, I'm getting lots of inquiries, so I can see that this year everyone is is really wanting to get their heads together, get their plans together make it all happen for 2021. A lot of people still don't know what is actually happening. I know that a lot of brands are struggling and other brands are like going, exceeding their their, their goals. You know, they're doing really, really well. So I think my main takeaway here then is to be staying alert, staying alert, staying aware, being as proactive as possible, but also being reactive. So being reactive, and that just means being poised and being agile. So I, I think that, you know, that's that's basically what I'm telling for, you know, most of my clients, um, most of, you know, everyone that I speak to uh, is reiterating as well. So it's really just a case of stay informed. Yeah. And agile, ready to act. Okay. Yeah. Cafe, thank you so much for joining us this week. And um, please, you know, keep in touch and... Uh, We'll see you hopefully. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much, Hillel. Right. Thank for you. Me. Bye. Yeah, for sure. Bye-bye. All right. And that's our episode for tonight. Uh, thank you to Cafe again for really an amazing episode. And, um, you know, thanks for the producers of this episode. And just a good night to everybody. This has been Inboxing Episode 5. You can find us on, on all your favorite uh, Stitcher, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you listen to your podcast, well, you can find us there. Um, and if you enjoyed the episode, please uh, subscribe and rate us. Mm-hmm.